Ladies, gentlemen, everyone listening, welcome to episode 37 of the Diamond Duo podcast. My name is Tom Bauer, and I'm joined by my co-host and co-producer, Tony Puglisi, as we invoke shame on those who have disappointed baseball and fans all around the world this week. And you probably know what I'm referring to, but if you don't, then this episode is brought to you by two 23-year-olds who have more common sense than a certain 23-year-old that just got suspended 80 games by Major League Baseball. Ah, hi, Tony. (laughs) Hey, what's what's going on, man? Needed to get that out, been holding that in for about a week or so, couple days. Pretty much it this week. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ride a motorcycle right now, even though I know (laughs) nothing about riding a motorcycle because I'm 23 and I'm immature. Oh, man, you know. You know those old, like, cartoon episodes where, like, an immature character would happen upon a large mountain of money or, like, some inheritance? Like, he's, like, a king now, or he, like, has access to infinite resources, (laughs) and they immediately blow it all. Like, I'm thinking, like, when the Griffins in Family Guy won the lottery or something like that, and they immediately (laughs) blow it. That's the vibes I'm getting from this. This is just the right person (laughs) getting the right amount of real-world smacked in the face. That, because he clearly hasn't learned yet. He clearly hasn't learned. Well, divulge who exactly he is in just a few short minutes. But if you know, you know, and it's just kind of, uh, it's, it's disappointing. It's disappointing to a lot of people, but more so on the West Coast. I mean, I've gone well past disappointment. I am legitimately pissed off at Fernando Tatish Jr. for what he has done for baseball. He was the Piece of baseball, for Christ's sake. He was on the cover of MLB The Show last year, which was the last MLB The Show game I played, so maybe that was, like, a curse on him that, I don't know, I don't play MLB The Show anymore. Maybe there is a curse, because before Tatis, I think it was Javi Baez. Oh, you know what? It was. And this year, it's Shohei Otani, so, uh, well, I mean, the Angels always suck, so, I mean, that that (laughs) really wasn't much of a curse to begin with. (laughs) I was going to say, his punishment is being on the Angels. Nothing bad needs to happen to him personally. Please, please, baseball gods, just keep Otani safe. He's already suffering enough. He plays for the Angels, for God's sake. But, (laughs) Tom, it's so funny. You say was the face of baseball. You remember, like, not even a year ago, people were still saying that before that motorcycle bullshit? (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're jumping the gun. We're going to talk more in depth about this whole deal. I mean, just shortly. We don't have too, too much on the slate for y'all today. Just some fun baseball stories we wanted to talk to y'all about. No around the horn, not even a deep drive. We could, we can't laugh at anyone other than Tatis, which to be fair, Tom, like this first segment's going to be like a mini deep drive in and of itself, like a little nicely packaged <laughs> deep drive for the former heir apparent to the face of baseball moniker, because this, uh... I mean, hell, we, we can just call the deep drive if you want. We could literally just throw in the intro at some point and then have it be a deep <laughs> drive major headline. Yeah. I mean, because hell, why not? We can definitely do that. You know what? Screw it. Editor Tom, put in the last four seconds of the deep drive intro, like where he says he can't put on this headset again. Okay, well, first of all, we haven't even like fully moved on to major headlines yet, so we're not going to do that. And second of all, we're going to play the full deep drive intro because you know what? Maybe, Maybe I'll even slow it down because 
that'll represent. <laughs> maybe I'll make it twenty three seconds. Give it. Isn't he I number twenty? Can't isn't he number tell you too? how sorry I am. What number is Fernando Tatis Jr.? I should know this off the top of my head, but honestly, I'm pretty sure it's twenty three. Oh, it is twenty three. Andy's twenty three. So you know what? I should slow it down to twenty three seconds just to unravel in the disappointment <laughs> we have for number twenty three. But that would probably sound terrible. I am gonna do that in editing. Add some symbolism. Exactly. Um, just so that way I can mentally prepare for editing this segment. But uh, before we get there, uh, we are recording on Monday, August 15th at about 11 a.m. So, um, I, I was looking at the rundown, Tony. You mentioned this earlier. I gotta throw it out there, although we've both been doing this. You said you literally wrote over last week's rundown, but we have this scheduling note uh, that says weekly episodes <laughs> are back in the rundown. And we've had this in <laughs> since April, I'm pretty sure, and none of us have taken it out yet. Uh. We've had that in the rundown since the beginning of the season. I, I love that. It's it's our little keepsake. It's, you know, it's screwed. It's like a, it's tradition at this point. It's format. It's like those old rundowns we used to get at the radio. I was literally about to bring it up. We did learn something from our time at RHU, and that's not to change a damn thing until the final absolute moment, and then um, have everything kind of blow up in our face. But we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) We're going to move on to our uh, disclaimer that uh, you should follow us on social media, at Diamond Duo Pod on Twitter, at The Diamond Duo Podcast on Instagram, for more content and so on and so forth. Now, Editor Tom you can throw in that deep drive intro. I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a man of faith, as there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run, and so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. Ah, uh, yes. A deep drive to left only a few minutes into this episode. <laughs> oh boy, Fernando Tatis Jr. suspended 80 games for PED usage. We're just so angry and disappointed, and clearly many people are within baseball and just within the Padres organization to begin with. I mean, first of all, the memes are absolutely incredible. <laughs> If you want a dosage of these, please go look at baseball images that precede unfortunate events on Twitter because it's got a buck ton of those memes just at the helm that he tweeted out. So where do we want to start with this, Tony? Do we want to start with the fact that this is just so much laugh out loud, like this is kind of like the state of the San Diego Padres over the past two years? Do we want to talk about how he said his drug that he used was meant to treat ringworm, even though that's not the case, and there's another (laughs) drug with a similar name that he meant to say or something like that that did ringworm, and even then that other drug doesn't treat ringworm? (laughs) <laughs> or do we want to start with the fact that um we could just talk about the memes or that people need to tell them to grow the f*** up? Where do you want to start? We could start in so many different places about this situation, which, folks, that should clue you in as to how seismic this was when Passon tweeted that out. I was on vacation this weekend. I was in the Poconos with my girlfriend. And when that got tweeted, dude, we were like, <laughs> we were on vacation with like some of her friends. And this was kind of a trough where we were all like, you know, just ate dinner. Some folks like took a little like close their eyes for a bit. Me and her were on the couch. When I saw that, I think all the energy came back to me. Like all the food I just ate, all the outdoor activities we just did, like all the fatigue I got from that. 
gone, dead, in the water. I was attentive. I wanted to learn more about this situation. Mother of God, dude, I, I want to talk about this whole ringworm situation because this, <laughs> this might be one of my favorite parts. Like, Eric Hubbs tweeted out, like, when this first dropped, he said, oh, I can't wait for Todd Tease's agent to tweet out a message saying that, oh, sorry, I was using this to treat an injury, or sorry, this I didn't know that I was taking steroids. Whoops. <laughs> 20 minutes later, that's actually what happens. His, his agent says, oh, sorry, he used, what is this called? Uh, clostable, clostable. I'm definitely mispronouncing that. We're not doctors, so forgive us for pronouncing Six. this wrong. Exactly. Pronouncing this wrong? Good, good job, idiot. <laughs> Listen, you can spell on the rundown earlier to save your life. Don't talk about me like that well, in grammar. They don't know about those. They don't know that, that those happened. For all they know, you're a damn liar. Well, now they do know that happened, and I'm keeping it in the episode because I know I'm editing this part. <laughs> Well, you know what? You misspoke for the world to hear, and you're a podcaster. Be ashamed of yourself. But, y'all, when that came out, first of all, if I didn't know if that was true at first, because I don't know what people use to treat ringworm. I figured, okay, that's actually true. That's just the funniest, you know, misconstruction. Not misconstruction, but biggest, like, missed opportunity of all time. But let's be fair, even if that was 100% true, what's the Padres' payroll? How many millions do they spend on their trainer, like their training staff and doctors to prescribe them with the, you know, the necessary medicines and tools to feel better? Like, let's just say I'm a big league pitcher and I go to my coach like, ah, oh, you know, my arm's feeling a little sore after that start. I don't like I don't think I broke or tore anything. I think it's just a little sore. It's that trainer's job to say, hey, use this. It is league approved. My expertise is in league approved, you know, <laughs> cure-alls. I can't even think of the word. Yeah, now you're gonna f***ing... That's irony, mother You're a podcaster, you, you should know that word. That's not even the word I was thinking all... Uh, thinking Think, of. Yeah, there you go. Shut up. Yeah, Shut there you go. Round of applause. Shut up. You know what? It's because I'm podcasting with you. You're rubbing off your bad <laughs> English on me. Good job. Either way, <laughs> Tatis... That, that... Okay, go on. I, I don't even want to talk about that. Last thing you nice, said. Nice job, jackass. But yeah, editor Tom, you know what to edit in. Um. Wait, no, I know what you're gonna. No, don't edit that in. I know what you're gonna. F shut the f up. No, 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 no. I'm just no, gonna talk over that. it. <laughs> Why'd you even say it to the music? No, 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 no. It's not gonna be that. Oh, I then what the? What I have the a. You edit again. Remember when we were talking about Dallas Keuchel like a, a while ago, and like we first like did Diamond Do After Dark? I said something like, "We just gotta stop talking about the." I was gonna edit that <laughs> in. <laughs> well, this is up to the most chaotic start an episode has since that one intro where you also said something suggestive. I, I kind of forget what it was, too. Editor Tom, actually, no, you've already done enough. I won't bother you again. Yeah, also, I don't know what, when you say that episode, like, I know it, like, off the top of my head. Come like, on, that episode. You don't remember that? The chaotic intro? I mean, it, I probably like haven't seen it. family guy cut away. Oh, oh it I'd be surprised if it wasn't, but... <laughs> Let's get back on topic. <laughs> yes. Like, th this training staff is paid millions of dollars to provide players with exactly the right tool to fix their injury. Like, they're not going to say, hey, 
Like they're gonna they're gonna nudge him and say, hey, hey, buddy, here's some black market, here's some black tar heroin. Like they're not gonna give him something that's not allowed by the league. Either way, so the whole I accidentally took something that that that, that that's not gonna fly. I feel like when A Rod said like, oh, sorry, I accidentally took steroids. What did he what did he say? Wasn't it for like impotence or something? Was that A Rod's excuse or am I stupid? Like you thought it was Viagra. We just gotta stop talking about the fucking. <laughs> I don't remember, but I can include <laughs> I can include that soundbite again that I was just talking about. <laughs> that would be another appropriate Please. spot for. Let me guess. The clip of me saying, wasn't it for impotence is going for in the fing bloopers folder, isn't it? <laughs> yes. And was it my ex? <laughs> and then you just get <laughs> Hang on, God I need damn to it. I... This is a wild star. A Rod's <laughs> excuse for steroids. Oh, please look that up. Was this the biogenesis one or the first uh time he uh <laughs> The fact that we have to denote which one. I'm pretty sure it was biogenesis. Ah <laughs> oh, god. Uh he admits to it. Um ba -ba 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 -ba. I'm just gonna look up A Rod's excuse for steroids impotence. <laughs> Please don't look up A-Rod Impotence for your own search history's sake. <laughs> it looks- Google, it looks like there aren't many great matches for your search. Oh, thank <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know what? It's funny you bring up A-Rod because I saw a tweet that literally said after this whole- after this bombshell dropped, I think Tatis is taking the A-Rod comps a little too seriously. Because the more you think about it, the more it the more it starts to click. Both are young, you know, young hot shortstops that lit the league on fire when they first came up. You know, a, a vague, you know, steroid accusation here and there, and just an outward attitude of being immature, an outward attitude of being, you know, a little too carefree. I think his teammates put it best because that I think is, I don't want to say the most depressing part about it all, but the most, I'll say, damning. Because, Tom, you remember last year, I mean, you must, because they played in San uh, St. Louis when this happened, when Manny Machado f***ing screamed in Tatis' face uh, after he, like, popped up or something. He's like, it's not about you! Like, it's not about you, it's about us, or something like that. I remember that, like, the top, like, uh, like the top of my head, like, the back of my hands. Go on. Because now we have four quotes of players who had to field questions about Tatis, and they pretty much echoed that. Like, one of my favorites comes from Mike Clevenger, who said, It's the second time we've been disappointed with him. You hope he grows up and learns from this, and learns that it's more than just about him right now. So, he's very much echoing Machado's words when he says it's about more than just him. Machado also chimed in, Obviously, it's terrible to hear, just hearing that he's going to be suspended for 80 games and not be a part of what we're trying to accomplish here, it's just a terrible thing. So Machado definitely, you know, stepping around it. Joe Musgrove chimed in, said that, you know, he's young, he needs to learn his lessons, he needs to grow up, hopefully he'll come back with a little bit of a remorse. Honestly, I'm actually just seeing this one now from Talking Baseball. AJ Preller himself said, We were hoping that from the offseason to now, that there would be some maturity. And obviously with the news today, it's more of a pattern and it's something we're going to have to dig a bit more into. I'm sure he's very disappointed, but at the end of the day, it's one thing to say it, you're going to have to start by showing your actions. God damn. So Tom, I think it's safe to say the Padres are, uh, are a little fed up with F-Rod's antics after this. That's a terrible nickname. They're a little sick of Tatis's antics after this whole year, especially following up that whole motorcycle fiasco. Well, you could call him El Nido. Uh, El Nido. 
El Needle <laughs> now instead of El Nino. I saw that on Twitter. That was a great one. That's fantastic. I, I wanted to point this out um, because I was literally about to talk about AJ Preller and then you took the words out of my mouth. But then I was looking up a quote where I hope you didn't just say this because if so, I really know I have zoning out issues. But I think what we need to get is a point in time where we trust. Over the, past, over the course of the last six or seven months, I think that's been something we really haven't been able to get there or something along the lines of that. That is exactly what he's going to have to do when he gets back to the Padres, is establish that trust, not only with the organization, its higher-ups, his teammates, but also the fan base and the fan base around baseball, even though his trust and his credibility have already been thrown out the window. There's an old adage that's like, it takes years and years to build up your credibility, but you can destroy it in literally five seconds. And that is the exact instance of this. I mean, Robbie Cano literally went through this multiple times. And you could say his impact was really left upon the Padres now. Also stole that from Twitter (laughs) after this whole (laughs) Fernando Tatis instance. (laughs) He was their steroids dealer. That's so good. (laughs) I was looking for a place to slide that in today's episode, and I felt that would be appropriate. But... Everybody's telling him to grow the hell up. He needs to grow the hell up because now this is two instances, and this one is much more impactful than just getting hurt on your damn motorcycle. <sighs> I, I remember we talked about this earlier, like in a previous episode where he needs to grow up. Like, and didn't we, wasn't there a thing in his contract where like he couldn't ride his motorcycle or something like that? Wasn't that like included like in his newest like contract or something like that? I, I feel like there is or we suggested it or whatever the case may be somebody's gonna have to like hold his hand at some point (laughs) when it comes to just moving about his everyday life because jesus christ this guy keeps making terrible life decisions that are impacting millions of people and whatnot and the sad part is this contract is fully guaranteed so i kind of feel bad for the san diego padres in this case although i feel like there should be some stipulation or clause in Major League Baseball or the U.S. justice system, that's like, listen, if you're not upholding the end of the contract, especially if you're going to get suspended and stuff, we can revoke some of that contract back. Although I don't think that's how, it's definitely not how it works because this is Major League Baseball. But he isn't getting paid through these 80 games, so thank God for that. But he's not making that much money anyway, so it is what it is. But, I mean, this whole thing is just a whole big debacle, Tony, whether it's from the trust, the drug to treat ringworm, even though all the medical doctors out there are saying, yeah, even if he got the drug wrong and it was this other drug, you don't treat ringworm with that. <laughs> but, ah, oh, Jesus Christ, it's just a tragic situation. And I don't even know if I could use the word tragic here because this isn't a tragedy. This is just idiocracy, if that's even a word. I, I'll give you a better word. How about embarrassing? There you go. It's embarrassing for Tatis because he is putting on full display to the world his poor, poor, poor decision-making. This man literally signed a mega deal in the offseason and then just decided to absolutely punt the first year of it from a goddamn motorcycle accident. Now he's being an idiot in his return. Like, he... I don't think folks understand. 
Do y'all know how close he was to returning? He was playing baseball. He laced a triple in like his first game back. His speed looked like he was there. His swing didn't look any different. It looked great. He looked like he was primed to go back on the field. Now we know why he was progressing so well, which is really depressing. I'm gonna be honest, I think this is a more embarrassing light on the San Diego Padres. Like, you know when you have like a parent with their kid in the supermarket and the kid starts throwing a tantrum, people will say like, oh, that's, you know, like that's a reflection of the parent. That's like bad parenting in a sense. Like if they let the kid go on, I should say. The San Diego Padres willingly gave hundreds of millions of dollars to a 22-year-old, and now they're seeing the consequences of that, which, by the way, that 22-year-old had never played a big league season, and up until 2024, he still won't, because this year's a wash. Next year, the first, like, 33 to 40% is wiped out because of the rest of the suspension. I Wait, I don't even know if he's... He's not serving the suspension now, right? Because he's still on the injured list. No, I, I believe it is serving it now, because I know it's, like, 40-some-odd games, like, into next oh, is he? season, too. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know we had a definitive timeline, but no, the Padres put, Tom, you use the word trust. That's what a contract is. If you extend a guy, you put an enormous amount of trust in them to A, stay healthy, which, you know, most of the time, sometimes it's not their fault. Sometimes folks just get hurt. When you willingly throw yourself from a f***ing motorcycle in the offseason in the Dominican Republic, that's another thing. You're putting trust in them to make good decisions with that contract to not make yourself and or the organization look bad. I don't think I need to add more to that front because Tom and I both just did. But most of all, you're just putting your trust in them to show up, to be there, to be accountable, to be there for your team. Like when Machado screamed at him that it's not about you, this has clearly been a lingering issue. Tatis thinks that just because he emerged on the baseball world and, you know, all of MLB social media and Don Orsillo's electric calls and the MVP votes, it all went to his head. He thought he was Jesus Christ himself with a baseball bat and he thinks he could do no wrong. Well, this is the humbling of the goddamn century right now for any baseball player ever. As much of an embarrassment as he is for the game of baseball right now, there's a very big part of all of us that just wants him to grow the hell up to finally just, he wakes up, and he's not doing any more stupid shit. He's just coming to the ballpark, he's putting in the reps, and being a serviceable player for the Padres. Not just a serviceable player, screw it. Because, you know, provided he wasn't taking steroids last year, he could be more than serviceable. This dude could be one of the best players in the game. Which, granted, if the steroids were last year, then, <laughs> then his entire goddamn legacy has to come into question, which, granted, it already has, but could you imagine? Finished third place in MVP voting last year, and it was all for f***ing nothing. Imagine if he turns into, like, Jose Iglesias. Like, it was... Imagine it was all the steroids, and now this dude can't hit, like, more than, like, three home runs a season. <laughs> like, I don't think that's gonna happen, given his swing and, like, the way he plays the game. But we honestly don't know. Because look at what happened to Ryan Braun. I mean, dude was hitting 41 home runs, and then dude, I don't even know if he hit more than 30 after he got suspended. I know he hit 19 one year. Like, I think that was the following year. That was the year he got suspended. I don't know. But he definitely didn't live up. Granted, he was like 30 at the time by the time he did get suspended, but that's just what steroids do to you, kids. Don't take drugs. That's the uh, message at the end of the day, I think you could say. But I also think this could be an implication of teams might be more unwilling to give a 23-year-old or somebody younger than 25 a mega contract now. Like, this could be a lasting impact upon the entire world of baseball because it's kind of been a trend where these younger guys are getting a f ton of money. And now, 
that might not be the case because of trust issues. Now, granted, you could probably see the difference of maturity from one person to another pretty easily if you just sit in the room for 15 minutes with somebody, but he was the face of baseball, he's completely tainted his image, and potentially ruined it for other guys under 25 looking for that big league contract. So good job, Fernando Tatis Jr. You just f***ed everything up. Hey, he probably f***ed up his new teammate in Juan Soto, too. Like, Jesus. before there were probably whispers of the Padres just locking him up right now, just saying, screw it, now that we have Eric Hosmer just all over and done with. I can't imagine they do that now. You know, he's got a couple more years of arbitration. They could probably wait, maybe even trade him again if they end up winning that World Series and they're like, f*** it, we don't want to pay you. Now that Tatis is being a moron, I think it's more on the table now than ever. Yes, but again, you sit in the room with 15 minutes for somebody, I guarantee Juan Soto shows a hell of a lot more maturity than Fernando Tatis oh, does. 100%. If we aren't hearing stupid sh** that Juan Soto is doing at this point in his career, then I guarantee you his maturity level is leaps and bounds ahead of Fernando Tatis Jr.'s. I don't know, do we have anything else that we want to chime in about? I think we kind of milked the cow on uh, <laughs> Fernando Tatis Jr., unless there's like any more like spicy memes out on Twitter that we haven't yet come across, but I think we've pretty much hit everything on that. So I was going to say, if we want to throw another meme or two in there, one of my favorites is, oh, is the photoshopped MLB The Show 21 cover where, Tom, you know what it is. It's Tati's like flipping his bat. <laughs> I, I saw like a this, cool, yes. Like a cool design in the background. It's genuinely one of the coolest sports game covers I've ever seen. Well, some genius out there, and I want to emphasize genius, photoshopped a needle over the bat. And it looks, <laughs> I, I wish I could find it again so I could like put it up and show Tom. It looks so good. The <laughs> Fernando Ta Fernando Tatis Jr. ring tally World Series zero worms one. <laughs> There's like uh, I've seen like three Moneyball memes for this at one point. One of them says Billy, this is Fernando Tatis Jr. He's a generational talent at shortstop and one of the best players currently in baseball. His defect is that he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, how about this? Somebody. Uh, took a picture of El Nino and said, coming soon to a major league ballpark near you. And this was like literally a few hours before the steroid thing popped up because he was coming back. Yeah, that made it to baseball images that precede unfortunate events. <laughs> oh, and Bob Nightingale also actually put something out. Trust me, this is not the last time we'll talk about him. Uh, he called it the curse of Dairy Queen. Tom, I don't know if you saw this. <laughs> I but... did see this. <laughs> They picked four players to advertise their sandwiches and their ice cream. Of those four, Bryce Harper broke his thumb. He's been out since late June. Tim Anderson broke his finger. He's probably not coming back till the playoffs. Maybe like late September. Cody Bellinger is absolute sh**. He's hitting 210 with an OPS in the mid-600s. Sorry, Nicolette. He sucks. But it's okay. It's okay in his case because Dairy Queen can be his munchies. We that could be Ooh. the possible case. Could you imagine if they set up an ad campaign like that? Bellinger was just high as balls, and he's just like, <laughs> "Oh man, when I'm when I'm tripping, a good Dairy Queen sandwich helps me. Dude, helps that, cure those munchies." That Not sponsored be, by Dairy Queen. <laughs> that could be up there with the chicks dig the long ball type of advertisement from the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> that could be up there if they ever did that. Dairy Queen, talk to us. Throw us some money our way. We can make this happen for you. We'll get it done. Don't worry. We got this. We know Cody Bellinger. Yes. Oh, God. But the fourth one, obviously, Tatis. Injured on a motorcycle. Suspended for PEDs. I f***ing love that. I think that's funny. 
but we can go all day talking about Tatis memes. Twitter was, I don't even want to say flooded. Flooded's not even the world. Like this, this overshadowed like real world events, which granted it's Twitter, sports takes over all the time. But the fact that this was like a tidal wave that just covered everything else. I didn't see anything but Tatis memes. Ah, Jesus. Well, you know what, Tony? I think, again, we've milked the cow as much as possible. So let's say hasta la vista to Fernando Tatis Jr. And also say hasta la vista to (laughs) Al Avila. Editor Tom, throw in the fanfare or whatever song (laughs) that you can think of that's like angelic like choirs or something like that. Because Jack Halstead, you can finally rejoice even though your team is still ass because the Tigers finally fired all Avila. Yes, Tony put all Avila instead of Al Avila. Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) This is what I was talking about literally 20 minutes ago when I mentioned in Tony's uh, misspellings in the rundown. (laughs) No, it's fine. That that didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, you, yeah. It's not there anymore. It's not not there anymore, dude. What are you talking about? Yeah, of course. Ah, so congratulations, Tigers. You got rid of your general manager after a literal nothing of a trade deadline. Why did you wait this long? Like, honestly, at this rate, you might as well have rid out the season with Alavila because then you probably would have gotten fans in your ballpark just to protest Chris Illich and Al Avila. That would have gotten fans in the seats. But no, you decide to fire him immediately after the trade deadline, which I find completely idiotic. But it wasn't an idiotic move to get rid of him, obviously, considering all of the backlash that he's received for completely building this team to shit. And, uh, a bunch of other stuff that uh, Al Avila has done in his history. Tony, take it away. Let's hear about Al Avila. So, Al Avila, like, guys, get out the stoves, because Avila's tenure in Detroit was hot. I When I tell you, this man had one winning season <laughs> since 2015. <laughs> Oh my god, and (laughs) literally, I pulled up an article, I pulled up an article from MSN, and the title, I think, says it all, Why the Tigers Parted Way with Alavila, Bad Trades, Michael Fulmer Situation, and it highlights the XGM struggles. Guys, did you know, I might have hammered this home last episode, maybe, maybe not, did you guys know that Alavila does roster management like the, I need a good analogy. Let's say Alavila does roster construction like uh, Dave Roberts does bullpen management. Hmm. And I'm going to be honest, I think that's even being too mean to Dave Roberts. And I'm not a Dave Roberts apologist whatsoever because, y'all, I put that Michael Fulmer trade. I gave that an F last week. I think we both gave it an F. You might have given it like a D minus. We both knew it was trash because they traded for a non-prospect 24-year-old. And this article literally highlights it. The segment's literally called What Happened to Michael Fulmer. They detail his Rookie of the Year campaign. They... (laughs) They mentioned how they traded him for Sawyer Gibson Long. They bring up the Matt Boyd situation. But I think my favorite paragraph in this whole thing, I'll just read a little excerpt from it. Ultimately, Avila's firing comes from roster mismanagement, poor amateur scouting, and an inability to value his own players in trades. See also Isaac Paredes for Austin Meadows. The Tigers have some faces for the future, but the Baez and Rodriguez contracts will continue well past Cabrera's contract when it ends in 2023, you know, presuming he opts in. Guys, Alavila built what may be one of the biggest circuses of a regime 
probably ever. The thing I really wanted to go to was look at some of the worst Tiger's trades, like the worst trades that he's made as GM, because some of these trades are biblically terrible. Like some of the worst in recent baseball's history have come from Alavila's time with the Tigers, because, you know, if you can't draft good players, you might as well try and trade for some. Uh, well, that's not exactly how Alavila works. Alavila will take a good asset and trade that asset for two dimes and a used shoe. They've not gotten a good return on their players in what seems like forever, and it extends with the f***ing Austin Meadows trade who's still hurt and still hasn't hit a home run. Guys, IKF hit a home run before Austin wait, Meadows wait did minute, this season. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He has not hit a home run? Are you f***ing kidding me? Hang on. No, he's not. Oh my. He got like 11... <laughs> He had like 11 RBI on the season, got vertigo, came back, got hurt again, and he's still been hurt. Okay, to be fair, he's only played 36 games and only has 147 plate appearances, but that's still terrible considering this guy has once hit 33 home runs in a season and hit 27 last season. Oh my god, dude, this is hysterical at this point. The Austin Meadows trade, I don't even know if I'd call the worst. I'm gonna be honest because I'm pulling up the Justin Verlander trade right now. God, I want to see who they trade. Here, I, I kind of want to see your reaction when I tell you, at the trade deadline in 2017, the Tigers traded Verlander to the Astros in exchange for a player to be named later, mm -hmm. Juan Ramirez. Oh, no, sorry. Juan Ramirez actually went to the Astros. So they sent two players to the Astros in exchange for Jake Rogers, Franklin mm -hmm. Perez, and Daz Cameron. That's it? That's it. I know Verlander is up there in age, but he was still throwing gas at the time. <laughs> I do believe Daz Cameron was, at one point, he was like a highly rated prospect. Uh, he was number 75 in pre-2016. Um, and then he made zero lists after that. But Tony, you were talking about analogies, like, literally five minutes ago. I want to throw out an analogy like there. All right. I, and this is going to be a real-world example. Al Avila kind of builds things up like somebody who's steering a boat through the Suez Canal. He just creates this huge <laughs> blockade for everybody that's affected by it, specifically the Detroit Tigers and their fans, considering he's had one winning season since 2015. I was going to go so far as to call him the man who hired Brad Osmus as well, but that was Dave Dombrowski. So I can't even give him that distinction, but, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, God. It, it, he just created such a terrible roster and situation, and I can't even blame him for all the injuries, because everybody in baseball, I'm pretty sure, had high, high hopes for the Detroit Tigers, including both of us, who gave them an over-under <laughs> of, like, 85 wins during the preseason. <laughs> God damn, that's gotta be, that could be on baseball images that precede unfortunate events at this rate because of how terrible those takes were. Oh, God. Um, the Tigers also have the worst record in baseball since being promoted. Was that Al Avila being promoted to general manager, I take it? Um, did I, is that what I wrote? Yeah. That, that well, is what you wrote. Since Avila came into his position, the Tigers have been the worst team in baseball. And if memory serves, it's not even particularly close. I think the next closest team is either Kansas City or Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And even, even they had some like hills 
amidst the Tigers' infinite valley. Like, I'm thinking the 2019 season that set them up to get Torkelson, where they almost lost, like, what did they lose? Like, 110 games or some crap like that? Yeah. They're on pace to lose a ton more this year. Tariq Skubal's out for the season. We're starting this off with two bonafide deep drives. I mean, firing Alavila is not a deep drive, but the Tigers, as an organization, are a collective deep drive like oh my god there's there's an article y'all should look up if you want to laugh it's called detroit tigers taking a look back on alavila's trades from the past it's by fan cited oh it's written three years ago so it's not gonna take the paredes deal into account as written by a uh, tyler cotlia cotlia apologies if i mispronounced your name and i just got to the jd martinez trade dude it's probably worse than the verlander one they traded away martinez who that year by the way, would go on to hit a four home run game for the Diamondbacks and a year later win a World Series with the Red Sox. Yeah, they traded him to Arizona for Sergio Alcantara, Jose King, and Dowell Lugo. Who in the hell are any of those people? And I'm saying this years <laughs> in the future. So that's how you know that trade went south like Sherman. If <laughs> Right? That's... <laughs> Dude, I literally saw a tweet at the beginning of the year. I wish I could find it and pull it up. It was when the Tigers started off hot garbage. I mean, they've been hot garbage all year, but this is in like May. And someone tweeted out, it's okay, guys. The returns from the Verlander and Martinez trade should be bearing fruit right now. And it's a graph of all of them. The only one even with the Tigers still is Jamir Candelario. And all those who were even with the Tigers at the time were still busts. I, they took a, re this might be one of the most botched rebuilds I've ever seen in my life. This is honestly next level bad. <laughs> oh God, wasn't it one of his first moves? Like, wasn't he hired in like 2015 or something like that? Yeah, no, I think he came in in 2015. Does anybody remember the name Jordan Zimmerman? I just want to throw that out there because of how absolutely oh, ass he was for Detroit. My God. <laughs> I think he was the GM that signed him. Uh, an <laughs> ace on the Washington Nationals compiled a career record of 25 and 41 in five years with Detroit with a 563 ERA in 99 games. E I mean, I don't even think I have to go really any further with that. He had an ERA plus of surprisingly 80, which isn't as bad as I completely thought it was. Ugh. But Jesus Christ, I just wanted to, I just wanted to throw that out there. I think he signed uh, Jordan Zimmerman. He just hits it out of the park clearly with his free agency signings and his trades. But I mean, what even goes through his mind? Like, what, or better yet, what goes through an opposing GM's mind when we're like, okay, we <laughs> see somebody on the Tigers. How much can we fleece Al Avila? And then, like, people are starting to take bets around the office, I feel like, of, ooh, I think you get him or him or not have to give up him or him to get this like that. And I feel like there's always, like, a joyous round of applause, like confetti and, like, fireworks going off whenever somebody fleeces the shit out of Alavila because I feel like that's all that's happened during his tenure with the Detroit Tigers. You know that meme? I'm literally just thinking, you know that Impractical Jokers meme where it's like, all right, Joe, now tell him. <laughs> this that the other thing and it's yeah. the clip of like the three jokers laughing <laughs> i'm imagining someone on the phone with like the Rays gm like all right now ask for isaac parades for uh for austin meadows and he takes it immediately they start laughing like all right now ask for justin verlander for literally nothing <laughs> that's what this feels like it feels like the league just whenever 
Alavila calls like, hey, I want one of your players. That GM must be salivating. That GM must be like jumping for joy in their office. Like, let's go. I get to fleece. It's my turn to fleece Alavila. <laughs> like so many awful trades, so many awful free agent signings. The Javi Baez one is going to hurt for a long time. And honestly, we haven't talked about him a ton on the show, but the whole situation with Eduardo Rodriguez. I was about I think to a- say. I think that's a perfect summation of Avila's tenure in Detroit as a whole. So much money, so many opportunities for literally no results. F***ing negative results. Granted, I think Erod's finally pitching again. I think he just got rocked in a minor league start. He might be back this season. Probably that's what they're going for. But I mean, at this rate, what's the point? Yeah. And let's not forget to mention Chris Illich, the owner of the team. And, Tony, you wrote this down. I'm happy you brought this up. He blatantly threw Al Avila under the bus for the team being so sh- I don't have a direct quote. Maybe Tony does. Oh, you do? Okay, we're going to hear from that in a minute. But before we get there... Actually, you know what? I want to hear this quote first, so that way I can uh, marinate in it for a minute and then go on to what I was going to say about Chris Illich. So, Chris Illich... When it's finally time to listen to the uproar of fans and fire Al Avila and field questions from the media, he says, I don't, I couldn't find what question this was in relation to, but he said something akin to, when we have bad trades and we have bad underperforming players, the GM signed those contracts. I didn't do it, which might be the most blame-shifting, accountability-defecting statement I have ever heard from a sports owner like we have had bad owners in the history of major league baseball in the history of sports i'm thinking of jeffrey loria i'm thinking of artie moreno just still right now chris illich why the would you say that you have metaphorically held this man's back you have carried him through the sludge and the even when he was floundering with free agent signings and trades and the second you have to sack him because it's just getting too much for your blood that's what you say you throw him completely under the bus you don't take any responsibility for yourself that is cowardly that is disgustingly low any semblance of hope the tigers may have gotten from seeing avila fired they were promptly reassured that they were owned by an inept jackass and their hopes quickly went from let's just say here's the bottom they went from like here right back to the bottom just oh, zero okay. progress okay I, I would like before i speak i would like to point out that you say here but this is a not a visual medium tony so uh you're gonna have to you're... people can imagine because you're doing this like hand motion on discord and i'm like okay i'm the only one that's gonna see this <laughs> <laughs> so well you know I'm... what rock bottom two steps up back to rock bottom there so, you go so here here's a perfect illustration of it there's the ground, then there's 50 feet of crap, then there's the Oakland A's, and then <laughs> keep going, keep digging to the Earth's surface, and you'll find the Detroit Tigers. That's pretty much what's going on. But I, I want to say, after he, <laughs> he's like, I didn't do it. I'm thinking of, there's a scene from the Polar Express where there's this kid that, like, wants his presence so desperately, and they have him on camera lying and put him on the naughty list or something like that. And I can just imagine that kid is Chris Illich all grown up saying, I didn't do it. Chris, you're definitely on the naughty list for this one, buddy. You're a class act completely throwing your general manager on the bu- under the bus, as he should have, but you have to take some responsibility for this as well because I guarantee when Al Avila 
pitched that, hey, I'm going to sign Javier Baez to X amount of dollars, I guarantee you Chris Illich had to approve that deal in the first place and be like, yeah, that's going to turn our franchise around. You go get him, Al. And then look what happens now. Or I can say the exact same thing about Eduardo Rodriguez. I could probably go back into Detroit Tigers lore under Al Avila's tenure. I brought up Jordan Zimmerman. I could probably find other guys that they signed and say the exact same things for this. But all I can say is he's a class act, Chris Illich. There's a reason why you're below the Oakland A's in terms of 50 feet of crap, like in the Earth's surface of where you are organizationally. Just do the right thing. Like, hire some very experienced baseball mind. Throw him as much money as you want to fix the organization around. I think he tried to do that in A.J. Hinch when it took to managing the game, but clearly that hasn't worked because none of their prospects have really panned out to be anything spectacular in the majors, maybe outside of Tariq Skubal in the past few years. Because look at Casey Mize, although he's hurt, so I'm not going to r- really throw him that far. But look at Spencer Torkelson. Look at Riley Green. Riley Green isn't that spark plug that some players are for their teams, such as like... Michael Harris? Yes, Michael Harris. Like a Julio Rodriguez. Bobby Witt. And Adley Rutschman. But that didn't do it. And Spencer Torkelson didn't do it he was supposed to be the next coming of miguel cabrera and i'm pretty sure he had to get sent back to the minor leagues and he still might be there for all i know i don't pay attention to detroit tigers baseball i let the jack hall still there the world do that because i don't want to be a suffering detroit tigers fan no offense jack we (laughs) we care about you deeply in your mental health but please please pick a different franchise to root for just for your own sanity we're worried Uh, about you jack this is a virtual intervention (laughs) come back on the podcast if you need to like vent your troubles out about the detroit tigers hit us up and then we will happily bring you on one time i just stubbed my toe on the ground and i wanted to scream out in pain (laughs) (laughs) that'd be a hell of a follow-up hey jack come back on the show damn it (laughs) it's okay jack we won't ask you to recite any more players who have won World Series outside of the Tigers? We'll think of something else. <laughs> you know, a stubbed toe is a perfect analogy to Alavila's <laughs> tenure as a Detroit Tigers GM. <laughs> so much pain and suffering. Oh. Before we transition into our last couple stories, we only got a couple like small ones left to talk about. You know, mostly just recapping stuff that happened over the past week, as if that's not what the whole show has been up to this point. But, Tom... Yes. Something very important is happening tonight. Oh, And this God. is something that I didn't even know until Starting 9, shout out to them, tweeted about this a mere 45 minutes ago. Oh, boy. So, Tom, there's a very special homecoming uh, that's going to be happening today in baseball. I wonder whose homecoming this could be. This is a very special homecoming, one that's actually not happened since last year. Tom? Since last year. Tom? Yes. Our good friend is going home. Nick Cassianos is playing in Cincinnati for the first time tonight. <laughs> not for the first time. kidding me? For the first time with the Phillies, I <laughs> you not. Starting nine tweeted, Nick Castellanos plays his first game back in Cincinnati tonight. And they tagged a video. Hmm, I wonder what this video could be. It's definitely not <laughs> Castellanos hitting a home run in Kauffman Stadium. Oh, to God. some announcer talking over it. I don't know. It's probably that. 
That has nothing get... to do with what we were going to talk about next, but it has absolutely zero anything to do. I mean, we did have a deep drive to left this episode already. Yeah, there like, we go. I mean, I guess that's relevant. I thought you were going to say like Carlos Correa or something like that, because I think he plays in Houston like in the very, very near future. I was going to be like, oh, actually... you want me to talk about this bum that I drafted in fantasy? Oh. Uh-huh. But no, this is much more joyous. This is probably going to be the highlight of this week, folks. Expect next episode to be a deep analysis of the Phillies <laughs> series in Cincinnati and how Nick Castellanos hits 7,000 home runs. I was about to say, if he doesn't at least hit one home run to left field in this series, I'm going to throw a conniption fit. We'll do a deep drive in his honor if he doesn't hit a home run in Citizens Bank Park. Not Citizens Bank, sorry, Great American. Yeah, there you go. So, like I said, this has nothing to do with anything. It's more just, you know, it's a motif. Gotta throw it out there. Maybe editor Tony, editor Tom, whoever's editing by now will throw in the intro for a second time, but probably not. Probably Mm, not. It it doesn't deserve it. Nothing has happened yet. Hey everyone, editor Tony here to give you the end of the story we all wanted because I am just so happy to report that in game two of the series between the Phillies and the Reds, our dear friend Nick Castellanos, Slick Rick as he was, uh, Rick, good job, Slick Nick as he was called in the broadcast, has indeed homered at Great American Ballpark. He took a 1-1 hanging breaking pitch by TJ Zoik and absolutely tattooed it into the left field seats. We quite literally got to see another deep drive to left. Unfortunately, it was not at the scene of the original drive. You know, that one happened in Kaufman, in Kansas City, this one back in Cincy, but you know what? I'm sure the Cincinnati faithful were just happy to see that. They haven't had a ton to be happy about this season, but that that had to at least have given them a little bit of solace. So, I don't have any fanfare queued up for you. I don't want to play the deep drive intro again because Tom played it earlier. So yeah, congrats Nick, congrats us for calling it, but to be fair, congrats Universe for calling it. If he didn't hit a home run, then there would be some like imbalance in the stars. Either way, I'm done taking up your time. Enjoy the rest of the episode. <laughs> I mean, something has happened. Actually, a couple things happened this past week. We got a couple milestones that we got to touch upon real quick. We uh, do. I'm going to intro we- these... What's but that? first, we have to you, you have to scroll up a little bit in the rundown and talk oh. about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, talk about. Yeah, that's probably Whoops. slightly more important, I could say, <laughs> at least to Major League Baseball, than no, some of is. these milestones. I just read the rundown wrong because I'm stupid and tired still for some reason, and I, you know, I'm gonna chalk it up to I haven't eaten yet today. Let's do that. I'm going to get myself a nice sandwich when we're done recording. But either way, there's something a little more important. The Field of Dreams game. It was this past week. It was the Cubs versus the Reds for some reason. Why they chose the Reds and not the Cardinals for a more classic rivalry. I'll never understand. I don't think anyone will understand. But, you know, all things considered, Tom, comparing this to last year's Field of Dreams, a little more subtle, a little more more low-key, not nearly as many uh, theatrics. Let's say, like, I saw when Drew Smiley was going to start for the Cubs that we'd get another Andrew Heaney-type situation with 7 million uh, home run Christ. balls being sent into the corn. 
I didn't even have too much of a point with that. I just wanted to remind two Yankees fans here that Andrew Heaney started the Field of Dreams game for some godforsaken reason. It's almost like they were willingly punting. They really just wanted to see home runs fly. And you know what? That's well, exactly I mean, they did what happened. The, they did juice the balls last year for that. So, well, that I too. mean, yeah. So, I mean, we do have that. But you mentioned there wasn't as many theatrics. I also imagine there wasn't as many people tuning into this ball game because it was the Chicago Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds. I did not watch this game for obvious reasons of it was the Cubs and it was the Reds, which I believe I was going to get to until my phone rudely interrupted. But we can talk about some of the highlights. That famous catch scene in the movie, like, hey, Dad, you want to have a catch? That was brought to life by Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Griffey Jr. this year, which I thought was very touching considering that I believe they both played for at least one of those organizations in their uh, careers. I yeah, know Junior played definitely played. Yeah, I was about to say. I know Junior definitely played for the Reds, and then Senior, I just remembered, played for the Reds as well. So that at least makes sense. So good on MLB for doing that. <laughs> the next thing in our rundown, I don't know if it's really a highlight because there was a lot of people on uh, social media that really didn't like this: the hologram of Harry Carey singing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." So yeah, for some reason, people really didn't like. Harry Carey singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Now, I don't know. I get, People were calling the hologram creepy, Tony. I thought it was like kind of like touching. And then I went on Twitter. I'm like, oh, people don't think this is touching? I'm like, damn, <laughs> that's kind of uh, cruel. I mean, did you think it was creepy? Did you even see this? Like, maybe I just didn't view it in its entirety. So my timeline for this is I met up with a good friend of mine. We watched a good part of the game. And then I think right before like the sixth or seventh inning, we went to Applebee's to go get some half apps. And unfortunately, they didn't have the game on in Applebee's. So I actually didn't get to see this. I have, however, looked up little images of this little Harry Carey hologram. You know, you know, the more I look at it, the more uncanny he looks like it's almost like you took a mannequin and you kind of painted it to look like Harry. How do you how do you kind of describe this? It's almost like, you know. Human beings have imperfections. Human beings have little blemishes on their face. This Harry Carey is just like in the middle of a mannequin and what he actually looked like to the point where he looks like it almost looks like he's got Botox or something. I don't even know how to describe it. I didn't actually hear him saying take me out to the ball game. It does look a bit strange, but the one thing I will absolutely get on board with is that maybe let's not make this a trend. Like, honestly, the idea I kind of liked. When I heard that they had Harry Carey sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, I thought they had like a clip show or something in the, on like the on the scoreboard or something in center field. Like, you know, a throwback to when Harry Carey would sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And it was so wholesome and great, that. maybe a little that, compilation. Yeah, that probably would have worked a lot better compared to what people were saying. Right? Like, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot safer. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about the backlash, I should say. And it's, it's probably easier. No, it's definitely easier. I could I could do that. Just take a couple clips, take one audio file, stitch like, you know, a couple dozen clips together with him saying, sing and take me out to the ball game over it. It's easy. But God, I just, I don't know. The one tweet I will 100% agree with, like I said, let's not do this for all faithfully departed broadcasters. I did see a tweet. I, I'm so sorry. I forget who this was. But he said, if MLB even thinks about doing a hologram of Vin, I will lead a million fan march onto New York. I'm going to oh, be honest, I'll, I will join that march. <laughs> Let's stick to video tributes, guys. Like, I could see where the appeal comes from in having Harry Carey saying, take me out to the ballgame one more time, but, like, 
clip shows are easier and they're less uh, strange. Let's call it strange. I mean, I don't even know if they have a video scoreboard now that we're talking about this, Tony, where we could say, you know, that would have been easier because this is Field of Dreams after all. So that, I think they have a like a manually oh. operated scoreboard. So I don't even know Wait, if that would totally have been right. possible. Yeah. So oops, our <laughs> uh, our fault. Some of the Bring tweets, a- though, are what were you going to say? I was gonna make a stupid joke like bring a projector out there do something i mean they could do that they could like have like an imax theater like a screen just randomly appears out of nowhere <laughs> like it's so, like children in the corn like some random bullshit <laughs> like happens in the middle of the field <laughs> a giant screen emerges from the corn and people think it's like the monolith from 2001 like f- what? what's happening what's coming out of the corn <laughs> I mean, if they really wanted to, they can, like, get, like, a black and white, like, projector because this was, they're reminiscing about, like, the good old days where they probably didn't even have, like, colorized uh, videos and stuff like that. But that, we're getting off topic. Some of the tweets from this include uh, Chris Vanini, if I'm even saying that right, begging Fox to use fake Harry Carey for Big Ten football. Have him do jump around. Get some mileage out of it. The SEC <laughs> would never. Um, some other people, such as... Eno Saris said, creepy, please don't make a hologram out of me when I'm dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kronko Tonko said, scary carry. Is this anything? <laughs> scary carry. Uh, oh my God, this is awful. Many people are saying. Bleacher Nation said, how do you say Uncanny Valley backwards? Many people just continue to echo in that this is worse and worse and worse. I mean, I, I guess people really didn't like Harry Carey's hologram. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was okay. Like, maybe even if they just had the speakers of him, like, singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, that could have worked, too. Yeah. But, uh, no, I don't know. That's just me. At any rate, let's move on. So, Tony, you wrote this down. You probably have more context out of this, although I can probably assume where you're going with this, where you said John Smoltz really, really, really should never talk about Aaron Judge for as long as he lives. Did he bring him up in the Field of Dreams game for whatever stupid reason? Of f- of course they did. Now, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. My buddy and I, who I was watching the game with, we were talking. We looked, we weren't really paying attention to the broadcast at one point, but we looked back and we saw a giant graphic for Aaron Judge, which where, how, and why did you come to that conclusion? Which granted, it wasn't slandering him. It was saying like, oh, he leads all of baseball in home runs, RBI, OPS, weighted runs created, whatever the hell it was. Why? That's what I'm saying. I told him, like, can you rewind this TV? I want to hear what they got, like, how they got to this point. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't rewind. I'm like, damn it. Hopefully I'll see it on Twitter. I haven't seen that. But what I did hear immediately after and what I most certainly saw on Twitter was John Smoltz, a f- again, saying, oh, Aaron Judge, if he stays healthy, could have a great season, great career, blah, 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 blah. If I have to hear John Smoltz say that about Aaron Judge one more time, I'm going to put my face through the TV. <laughs> I, You know that meme of that dude in the living room, like, leaping at his giant flat screen TV? Like, it, it's become a meme as of late. Like, this dude literally jumps into the TV and the camera, like, shakes as to, you know, someone goes to get him. But that will be me. If Smoltz says anything about Judge's health, again, he's been healthy for two years. He's putting up MVP numbers this year. Like, shut the f*** up. We get it. You hate the Yankees. You never have to bring it up again. Shut up. It's over. The end. Talking Point's been dead for so many years now. Find something else. It's... 
mm, it gets me so fired up for no reason. It, it it's annoying because it's all they ever talk about, even when he hasn't had a significant injury since what, like 2019, 2018, something like that. I'm pretty sure 2019. So we literally his last big injury that's hurt the Yankees is older than COVID. So John Smoltz, just shut the f up. I don't even know how you came to the Aaron Judge conclusion. I, I thank you for acknowledging the true AL MVP, but also f you for using it as another thing to spin. Like, oh, you know, if he's if he's okay, if he's healthy, if he's just, just shut up. No one likes you. Go back to Joe Buck and the great broadcasting team in the sky. In that that duo doesn't do games anymore, obviously. But oh, Jesus, it it just pisses me off. Rant over. God, it's not our fault that John Smoltz and his team couldn't beat the Yankees in the 90s. Like, he's so butthurt over that thing. I think that's really the conclusion uh, we can draw from this. But he's still salty. Met, exactly. You also mentioned that you're the meme of the guy, like, throwing himself through the flat screen. I also feel like you're that Arthur meme where he just, like, has that clenched fist. <laughs> <laughs> and as John Smoltz continually says more stupid things like your fist like has more and more veins like popping out of it just like i could only imagine that until at some point like either your fingers like break or like your hand just suddenly like explodes or you pull an arthur and um you hit john smoltz but um <laughs> we're not condoning violence on this podcast yeah let's let's, so. let's not say that I, I don't like john smoltz i'm not gonna hit him I'm not gonna hit anybody However, I love the idea of the Arthur meme like it's his fault like, if Aaron Judge could stay healthy and it's the clenched fist. <laughs> I, God damn it. But uh, that's Jesus. my rant. Nothing analytical about it. Just shut the hell up, John Smoltz. That's the message. Yeah, honestly, I don't even think he's like a good broadcaster to begin with. I don't even know many people who think he's a broadcaster to begin with. So why the hell is he still employed as a broadcaster to begin with? I don't know, the same reason Carlos Beltran just got extended by the Yankees broadcasting team for some oh, reason. Jesus Christ, I don't even want to talk about that. God, <laughs> you just reminded me of that, and now I'm going to have to... Actually, you know what? I can barely even watch that because the Yes Network isn't available on Hulu or YouTube TV. So, <laughs> you to that, whoever's decision that was to make that happen. But, other things that happened during the game, Tony, you mentioned Drew Smiley pitched remarkably well. The Cubs won that game, by the way, 4-2. to two. Um, because obviously the Reds weren't going to win that one. Like, the Cubs really had a chance of, like, winning it either, because they're just as bad as the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, but, um, they also apparently avoided injury to, uh, Wilson Contreras, and Jonathan India also apparently left the game after being hit by a pitch, so that sucks to be them. But I don't think either of them are incredibly hurt, so, um, they're just cliff notes, I guess, happened within the game. I guess that you can include that into the story of the game. But honestly, there wasn't that big, like, Tim Anderson moment that happened where the fireworks exploded and we had a literal walk-off, what the MLB probably wanted and scripted with those juiced balls last year. None of that happened this year. It was just kind of a straightforward baseball game that probably not a lot of people tuned into. Something else I did see about that game, though, is apparently some dude wore, like, some shirt about, like, Iowa in the game and how, like, they need to, like, end MLB blackouts because in Iowa, <laughs> apparently they're blacked out from six different MLB franchises, they cannot even watch any of the six, I guess you could call it local, five, whatever, five local MLB franchises, and some dude said he's going to, like, take it to, like, court or something like that. Or yeah, something. I, I saw that. He's, like, I forget a senator that's like, or something, I don't know. I saw that was, like, some political official saying that, like, you know what, finally, a politician saying something that I could get behind. Yes, honestly, I hate politics, but dear God, end MLB blackouts, please. 
make that guy president. Make him god emperor of the world. Just let him get rid of MLB blackouts. Like, that's so ironic. You have, like, the most anticipated game of the year outside of the World Series. You know, the Field of Dreams <laughs> game. It's so fun. It's in Iowa. Great setting. Great presentation. Except for John Smoltz. Yeah. And the residents of Iowa can't even watch it unless they have Fox. So, massive rip to MLB blackouts, but they've only known rips and L's for their entire existence. Speaking so. of another L, they're not even having a Field of Dreams game next year. Or I don't even know if they're going to have it for like another year or two because they're like renovating the place to make it this whole big complex. Oh, I think come it's come on. Now, I think it's supposed to become this like youth baseball-like complex where people can like go play games and stuff like that. So that's going to be cool. Oh, okay. But they're making this whole big shebang and because of the construction on it, it's the Field of Dreams game is going to be out of commission for at least a year or two. Either 2024 or 2025 will be the return of it with two unknown teams. Hopefully it's like the Dodgers, and somebody said the Dodgers and the Giants, and honestly, I can get behind that. I'd love that. That would be one hell of a game just to see those two, like, duke it out. But enough said about the Field of Dreams, I think. I think we've ranted, I think we've ranted more about that than we've honestly given it praise this year, <laughs> just because of all the stupid bullshit surrounding it. But um, let's talk about some... Game, Let's talk about some things that did happen for the good, though, or in some cases, the bad, specifically the last one. <laughs> Bob Nightingale, thank you. Let's talk about some milestones that happened. And you know what, Tony? I'm going to let you intro this. I'm actually going to let you intro the first two. Oh, because... are you now? I was actually <laughs> going to allot that opportunity to you. Uh, yeah, because oh. you're going to throw it to me, hopefully, instead of just drowning me out over it because uh, of who we're talking about. See, what if I just went to the third one? Like, oh, this happened, that happened. All right. Now, the real story is that... Well, well, listen, you can do that if you really want to. I'll just overstep you at some point and talk about what I want to talk about. Uh, fair enough. You would definitely do that. I would um, definitely do that. So make, the, make your decision if you want that to actually happen or not for the sake of entertainment in the podcast. You know what? Let's just play it straight. Because folks who have listened to the past few episodes of the podcast probably know where we're going with this. but. The first two surround an organization that Tom <sighs> thinks is better than they actually are. And that's the St. Louis Cardinals, obviously, because they actually had two very cool things happen to him this week. One of them at the big league level, that was Albert Pujols with his two home run game yesterday against the Milwaukee Brewers. That was fun to watch. Absolutely clobbered a hanging slider from Aaron Ashby into the second deck. It's like a vintage Pujols home run there. He is now up to 689 of career home runs. And if I'm Ollie Marmel, I, well, obviously I'm not trying to injure Albert Pujols, but I'm putting him in the lineup any chance I get to give him as many opportunities as possible to hit 11 more. Do I think he's going to do it? No. Do I want him to do it? Absolutely. He can hit slightly fewer and still pass A-Rod. That would be fun. But still, great for Albert Pujols. Vintage machine game. Uh, but the more, I think the more, I think everyone thinks the more impressive feat Chandler Redmond of the Memphis Redbirds hit for the home run cycle this past week. Now, if you don't know what the home run cycle is, is you hit four home runs in a game, which, by the way, already one of the rarest things to do at the professional level, but you have to hit a solo home run, a two-run home run, a three-run home run, and a grand slam, all in the same game. It's very situational, it's very rare, and it's arguably among the hardest things to do in sports. It's so rare that only two people have done it. Chandler Redman is now one of them. And the crazy thing, the absolute poetry of it all, the other player to do it, 
also did it for the Redbirds, the Cardinals AA affiliate. That is outstanding. That is, like, again, baseball is poetry. It's beautiful. I love seeing stats like that. But my gushing about it is just about through. Tom is going to blow out your speakers now with a prophecy rant, most likely. I'm going to go ahead and mute him. So, uh, Tom, why don't you take it away? What do you mean you're going to mute me? What the f***? <laughs> That's Cause mean. Because I, I know this song and dance. Don't disregard the prophecy like that, Tony. Do you want me hey. to move closer to my microphone so that way you have to... Because you have to edit this segment together, most likely. <laughs> I can move closer to the microphone and scream into it and lower the podcast's audio quality just solely based on your comment alone. Would you like that to happen? You know what? If you do that, I'm going to make the first half of next episode a living hell for Editor Tom. So let's just call a Cold War, like, mutually assured, mutually assured destruction truce and not screw each other over when editing, because editing is already so much fun. I'm curious to know how you could screw over the first half of the next week's episode completely over. I can, I could say so many cuss words, so you have to censor everything I could. Yeah, but if you pull that game, I could literally do the same thing. It's it, like in the second half. The next episode will just be the most chaotic podcast episode ever of us trying to screw over our <laughs> editing selves. I'm that would also be the funny. One, it'd, be, I'm also, it'd be unlistenable, but it'd be funny. I'm also the one that allots each like time. Like I take our recordings and match them together, split them in half, and ship it out to Tony. I could literally take the first 10 minutes and then give you the rest of the episode if I so wanted to. <laughs> Uh, but you know we're not gonna do that. We're we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna remain in this cold war. But at any rate, honestly, I don't know if this is gonna be much of a prophecy ramp because like, really, the home run cycle infinity stuff. I mean, the home run rare. cycle is pretty cool. I, you know what? I just gotta get hyped up. Let me take a swig of water and then. Oh boy, let's see. Listen here, Tony. <laughs> there oh we go. Chandler Redmond, the icon the pinnacle of minor league baseball in the memphis redbirds the absolute pinnacle of minor league organizations a home run cycle so rare that both instances have solely been on guess what the cardinals double a affiliate if you're not telling me the cardinals do not know how to build up talent then you are sure as wrong this is all because of the prophecy and speaking of which albert pools two home runs platoon hitter could play a whole nother year just hitting lefties alone and above 300 or so average on the year hitting against lefties hitting home run 689 can he chase 700 we don't know probably not but still 689 home runs. Do you know what team he hit a majority of those for? The St. Louis Dodgers. Cardinals. Don't interject the Dodgers <laughs> or the Angels. We don't give a shit about that St. No. We don't care about that Los Angeles. Oh, do we not care about St. Louis? We care about the <laughs> Are you good? <laughs> That was you a... sounded like the little piggy that went wee, but also stubbed his toe at the same time. Are you okay? <laughs> I was saying wee at the same time, too. That See? was a voice crack and a half. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have fun audio correcting that one. 
please send me that so I can put that in my bloopers folder as soon <laughs> as you get to that in the editing. I hope you know. Um, I wish I could create custom text tones. I, If I could, I would make your text tone wee, whatever you just did. <laughs> like fever pitch it, bass boost it, everything possible. Oh my god. God. Is the rant over or, or yes, is the rant, still... is, the rant okay. ended once I had that voice crack. Yeah, I, I didn't even know if I really wanted to go on a rant like that this week, but I kind of built it up that I kind of had to do it. So, you know what? We're we're done talking about those two milestones. Congrats on Albert you know Pujols. Really impressive by Chandler Redman. What, Tony? One funny stat. Albert Pujols has a higher WRC plus than Ronald Acuna Jr. this year. Let's move on. I saw that. You like that on Twitter. <laughs> Where they had that meme of, like, that McDonald's, like, worker that said, like, strong and independent, and it was yes. Albert Pujols doing that, and then broke-ass was Ronald Acuna Jr. No, having, like... other way uh, around. It, the broke-ass was Albert Pujols, but strong and independent was, uh, Ronald Acuna. Wait, really? It was the other way? Oh, come on now. Uh, well, no, they say broke-ass because people say, they have the perception, like, oh, Pujols is old, uh, he can't hack it oh, anymore. But yeah, then Acuna, I like, oh my it. god, he's the face of baseball, blah, 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 and he's ass this year. But yeah, I don't even know how he got the most votes in the National League. He was hurt for the majority of that time. <laughs> He's not even but, good uh, this year. He has like 10 home runs. But either way, let's move on. We got another yes. cool milestone here because Joey Votto actually, I missed this. He became the most, or let me rephrase that. Joey Gallo, not Gallo, Joey Votto has officially yeah, played. about Joey Gallo. I, I'd rather kill myself than talk about Joey Gallo. Not literally, <laughs> but I don't want to talk about Joey Gallo. <laughs> Uh, Joey Votto has now played the most games as a Canadian-born player. Nice little milestone for a potential future Hall of Famer. Tom, I'm going to give you a mini trivia question, considering this is this is actually pretty easy. Do you know who we passed to become the most, uh, the highest played, highest played, to play the most games as a Canadian? Who did he pass? The most games as a Canadian? Yep. Ah, oh, sh**. <sighs> Wait, was this? It you actually don't... It... Is it... I don't know if J.D. Drew is Canadian, but, uh... J.D. Drew? I don't know why he came up. He played in Alaska. I don't know why I correlated that with Canada. Um, Alaska's pretty much Canada. Eric Gagne. No. I don't know. I know he's Canadian. Who did he pass? Larry Walker. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah, I'm stupid. (laughs) You should have made that your trivia question. (laughs) Oh, that would have been good. Oh, my God, you know... I love the fact, can we circle back? You thought of J.D. Drew before Larry Walker, <laughs> Russell Martin, and Justin Morneau? Yes. Oh, and Matt Stairs? I don't care about Matt Stairs, are you kidding me? <laughs> well, clearly you're not a Phillies fan, but... I know I'm not a Phillies fan. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's the stat. Good for Votto. He has officially played in, I'm just trying to find the number, 1,989 games. That is f- impressive he's currently at fifth all-time in the reds organization trailing pete rose davy concepcion barry larkin and johnny bench not catching any of them anytime soon bench is at 2100 so hey he's about to hit 2000 games played so very good for joey Votto. nice little nice little notch on a potentially again hall of fame career every time you put joey Votto and canadian in the same sentence i think of that mlb network segment where he dressed up as like uh <laughs> Uh, like as a, a mountie. mountie yeah <laughs> and he did an interview like talking about canada or something with like the most straight-laced face ever <laughs> That's i don't know why that always comes to mind oh jesus but yeah congrats to joey Votto. good on him now we have another 
well, I can't really call it a milestone because it was an almost milestone that we need to talk about because I really don't have too much to say about Joey Votto. But let's talk about Drew Rasmussen. Uh, I butchered that. <laughs> Drew <laughs> Drew Spooky. Drew Rasmussen, who nearly threw a perfect game, but Yankees legend, as Tony put, Jorge Mateo broke it up in the ninth. Now, Tony, who, who, speaking of spooky, we can kind of make this like a Scooby-Doo mystery. Who do we think is behind the cause, besides Jorge Mateo, of this going out of hand? I think we have a real mystery on our hands. Yeah, but it's not a real right. mystery because we can chalk it up to one ghoul of a, uh, I'm not going to say he's a ghoul of a person. That's mean. I don't know who this, I have never met this person before. A ghoul of a person. Yeah. He's an objectively bad person. No. Yeah, I'm trying to stay on this, like, Scooby-Doo mantra, but, um, like, I don't know. Where I'm I mean, how many you. suspects do we really have when it comes to jinxing perfect <laughs> games? Or just jinxing anything in MLB. Who can we think of on social media that would do such a thing? <laughs> Gee, I wonder, such a mystery. It can't be, uh, I think his name is Rob Dayengale. Is that his name? <laughs> Robert Daygale? Nah, it's, we alluded to it several times. <laughs> Bob Nightingale from the top rope tweets out, Tom, correct me if this is wrong, because I don't have it pulled up. I do. He said, he said, oh, you do? I do have it pulled up because it made oh. baseball images that precede unfortunate events. I've had it pulled up for the past <laughs> hour and 40 minutes. You know what, then why don't you read it? You actually have it in front of you. Tampa Bay hashtag raise pitcher Drew Rasmussen just three outs away from making history. Guess what happened very nearly after that was tweeted out. I mean, I, I, I mean, I already said what happened. Jorge Mateo broke it up in the ninth inning with a base hit. You said he absolutely clobbered the ball. I actually didn't see it. But he, um, he roped it just right down the third baseline. I think it was Diaz, Yandy Diaz playing third. He just missed it out of the reach of the glove. Probably couldn't have made the play, but still sucks. Respu- uh, Rasputin. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Rasmussen. <laughs> How's that not his walkout song? I hope it is. But <laughs> if not, yeah, I think he... you just pitched a new one to him. <laughs> Drew, if you're listening, we're a bunch of genius marketers. Use that as your mark- yes. uh, your, mark-up J- your walk-up yes. song. Yeah, there you go. Jacob deGrom has Simple Man. Edwin Diaz has the trumpets. Mariano Rivera has Enter Sandman. Drew Rasmussen. <laughs> Take it away, Tony. No, but <laughs> <laughs> screw it. Ra Ra Rasmussen, there's your encore. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So he pitched obviously damn well. Seven strikeouts, only the one hit. I believe Mateo scored on a wild pitch. But the most impressive thing to me, Rasmussen at the end of the day, he got pulled because it's Kevin Cash. It's his favorite activity is pulling pitchers. He only threw 87 pitches. I believe when he went into the ninth, he was under 70. Or sorry, under 80. So that definitely would have been up in the record books of fewest pitches to complete a perfect game. I believe Hal Newhauser and Bob Gibson are up on that list. That would have been damn impressive. Just such a shame. Like like a year after the Carlos Rodon, like hit by pitch to lose a perfect game. Like at least Rodon came out of it with a no hitter. Rasmussen did. He couldn't get anything. At least he was a good sport about it. He, I think he literally said, you know, I'll take it. I'm smiling. It's still a win. It's still a damn good game. He actually said, I'd love to do that again. Yeah, Drew. I think a lot of folks would. But, you know, he still pitched a damn good game. It could have been something better. But, hey, damn good show. Isn't it called, like, a Maddox where you, like, throw a shutout under, like, 100 pitches? Dude was literally yeah. dude was literally about to do that for a perfect game. Like, honestly, that would have been one hell of an accomplishment if he did that and, like, 
80 or 90 some odd pitches like dude right why am i getting a potential spam phone call do i answer this tony oh yeah answer it live on the podcast we want to hear about your car insurance bob's burgers <laughs> hello <laughs> they speak! Not anything? Sp- speak you spam monster speak <laughs> he hung up <laughs> <laughs> discord cut out at the perfect time so speak i cut off to speak. i said speak you spam monster speak oh no i heard that but your first speak that you bellowed into the microphone could not be handled by discord oh my god we we need to bring back the audiograms just for that it'd be like 20 seconds long oh God jesus damn. christ did, did you have anything else you want to add to dress musin or do you want to move on to our last story no the spam caller ruined it so you know what we're moving <laughs> on to our last story <laughs> let's just use that to roll right into our closer we actually like we said don't have a traditional deep drive outside of the tatis thing but we do have a closer for the first time in what seems like a while and tom you actually brought this up so i'm gonna let you go into the the nitty-gritty of this while i at least pull up an article about this gentleman because we had a mark appel type situation over in colorado gentleman by the name of winston bernard winston. a minor winton uh, i can't read winton bernard a journeyman of the minors well over a decade down there has made his mlb debut at the age of 31 tom take it away you were the one who wrote this down yes so he was originally drafted by the san diego padres i believe like yeah, it's right here, a 35th rounder in 2012. He was he spent three seasons in the Padres minor league system, also playing the minors for Detroit, San Francisco, and the Cubs. He made stints in the Mexican Winter League, the Venezuelan Winter League, and also played in independent ball, and also the Brisbane Bandits of the Australian Baseball League. So he's been all over the world on an international scope, Winton Bernard has been. And the day he got called up, was special because I believe all of his teammates like were super happy for him. They're like, if anybody deserves it, it's going to be Winton. Like he, people were like saying he's like the, one of the best people that they've ever met, and that's absolutely fantastic that a guy like him gets this opportunity. He called his mom. Like that's a very famous video that like made rounds on Twitter, where they were both like crying that he made the ma- the major leagues finally at the age of thirty one. And it's a very touching video. All I can say is go check out that video if you haven't already. It is, it's an emotional roller coaster, but it's a great one. He also received a very loud ovation when he stepped up to the plate for the first time in the bottom of the third and actually was one of the people who helped spark a rally that night that led to the Rockies beating the Arizona Diamondbacks 5-3, to where he got a single, he stole a base, and then he scored all in that inning. And I would also like to point out, he was his first major league hit, that single, was a dribbler to third that he beat out. But the umpire made the wrong call at first because he was clearly safe at first. And the dumbass at first base called him out. And you could just hear a uproar of boos from Coors Field for Winton Bernard. And then they turned it around. <laughs> he was safe. And then everybody was happy again. And then I'm assuming he got the baseball and whatever. Then immediately stole a base because second base was wide open and there was a runner on third. And then he came around and he eventually scored. So very great stuff by Winston Bernard. One other thing I would like to point out, and that is how he got to the Rockies to begin with, and that's because manager Bud Black, he went to see Bernard and outfielder, who's now also on the minor in the uh, major leagues, Connor Joe, 
in the winter of 2020, where he pitched batting practice to both of those players and encouraged the Rockies to sign them. He was quoted as saying, I made the recommendation to our front office to see if we could get these guys or if we could sign these guys. Our front office contacted their agents, and they got the deals done. And Connor Joe, of course, has become a big, bigger part of the Colorado Rockies this season. And now Winton Bernard gets his moment in the sun. And just again, once I found a quote on his uh, call with his mother, he said, my mom's emotions, it made me break down even more. She's done so much the way I saw her take care of my dad before he passed away. He was bedridden, but she stayed by his side. I said to myself, I know how hard she worked, so I'm going to work just as hard, if not harder. Just to see her reaction meant a lot. I told you that video is an emotional roller coaster, and that is poetry emotion describing that moment by Winton Bernard. Huge congratulations to him. Massive respect. Absolutely. I don't even have that much to add. You pretty much covered all the bases. I'm just going to hammer home, y'all. Just watch that video. Like, you want the feel-good baseball story of the summer? This is it right here. This I find it very hard to believe something is going to top this when it comes to feel-good stories. I mean, just something else that I wanted to add, and this goes out to, the credit goes out to Kelsey Wingert, who uh, reported on this. I didn't know this. Apparently, the knobs of Winton Bernard's bats have pictures of him, his mother, and his late father on them. So, you want to talk about a guy who deserves it more than anybody? Tom, you touched on that. His teammates said that. Absolutely fantastic. Couldn't be happier for Winton Bernard. He's got that memory he's going to carry with him for a lifetime. Congrats to him, and congrats to the Rockies for making a good organizational decision. Doesn't happen very often, so you gotta applaud it when it actually does. So, yeah, that just about does it for this episode of the Diamond Duo Podcast. We had a little fun one here, rattling off some uh, less-than-ideal stories, some celebratory ones. Shout-out again, Tigers fans. You're finally free, at least partially so. <laughs> um, Tom, any closing words before we uh, sign off right here? You know, I was trying to think of something clever to close out the show, but honestly, I don't know if I have anything clever, Tony. You mentioned how you didn't eat anything earlier in the day, earlier (laughs) in this episode. I'm looking forward to go grabbing the sandwich myself after this episode, so I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat something. That's my (laughs) closing inspiration to episode 37 of the Diamond Duo podcast. I'm going to get a sandwich. Let's all get sandwiches. Oh my god, it's one in the afternoon. I really gotta eat. Anyway... On that note of the two of us running to get sandwiches, thank you all so much for listening to episode 37 of the Diamond Duo podcast. Once again, please go follow us on social media. We are at Diamond Duo Pod on Twitter, the Diamond Duo podcast on Instagram for more show updates and fun little content. We will, of course, see you next week for episode 38. Sayonara. Take it easy, y'all.